Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hi everyone and welcome. Today's topic is one from our new franchisor series and we're talking to one of our members here, Earworks. As you're well aware, Franchise Simply are committed to ensuring you're informed about all relevant topics, particularly about new franchisors who've taken the step, get their business up and running, and the experience that they've had to help you if you're at that early stage, either of doing the same yourself or contemplating it, to have an understanding of what's involved and the fact that it is doable. So it's great to be with you again. I'm pretty excited because it's always terrific to work with people helping them franchise the business. And the couple I have with me today are really inspiring. They've been terrific in the way they've worked through the processes, their discipline and commitment, and been a pleasure to work with. So it's, it's tremendous to have the opportunity now, having worked through the process, to see them up and running. So have a pen and paper ready, because I can guarantee you, you will find this interesting and you will want to take some notes. And for Franchise Simply members, this radio show will be available in our members' vault in a few days. And this is show number 84. So just to give you some background, Lisa Helwig is the director and founder of, of EarWorks. Her career spanned over 20 years in the hospital and nursing, pharmaceutical areas, specializing in ear, nose and throat and so on. So she's had tremendous experience at probably the most recognized of institutions as far as Royal Hobart Hospital is concerned. She founded her own clinic, EarWorks, in 2016. And, and she's driven to see nurses be as great as they can be. She, she knows the hardship and the challenges and the frustrations of the profession. And she's fully taken the time and the, the diligence to become fully accredited in a whole range of courses and qualifications and so forth. And uh, she's been quite active in the, the local organizations and nurses groups and so on. Her partner, Scott Marston, he's the CEO of Earworks. He's a a very experienced executive, nearly 30 years experience in corporate and general management. He's had a lot of roles in senior executive, private, public, university sectors. He's the vice president of the Royal Guide Dogs Tasmania and a board member of Visibility. He was in 2011 awarded the Tasmanian Chamber of Commerce and Industries, Tasmanian Business Manager of the Year Award and has a whole range of qualifications, including a diploma in franchising, which we'll speak about later and a number of other graduate diplomas, Bachelor of Business, etc. So we're talking about highly qualified people, very articulate with a business that really focuses on the client's needs. So welcome to you both, Lisa and Scott. Hello there. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Hi. Yep, thanks for the intro. Let's start with Lisa, because the business started with you. Can you tell us a little bit about Earworks itself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Earworks is a dedicated earwax removal clinic. So we remove earwax via microsuction. So that's a, a technique that's preferred by ear, nose and throat specialists across Australia. And it was the technique that I observed when I was working in the ENT outpatient clinic at the Royal. It's, it's nothing like water syringing, which is what a lot of people have when they go to the GP. It's very safe, very gentle. Uh, but it takes a lot of skill to learn it. So I had a you know a background in ENT that I had to do qualifications, a practical placement, and I had a lot of ongoing support for that procedure. So yeah, I, I was working at the Royal and observing it, and it look it took me about five years before I I thought oh I really think that we could do with the service like this down here in Hobart. I knew that there were some dedicated clinics in a different state and I started to research it. But yeah, it took me a long time to 
to, I suppose, develop the confidence and think maybe I can actually do this. I did have a lot of support in that. And so, yeah, finally I, I set up the clinic and it's, it's been a great success. It certainly has. One element there, I think, perhaps, uh, you know, traditionally, as you say, you go to the doctors and you'd have your ears syringed. But yes. can you explain why there's a trend away from that, from a doctor's point of view and, 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 uh, and so forth, yeah, so sure. that why this Look, is becoming more popular? Yeah, it's been really the only way that wax can be removed and sort of the only choice that GPs have really had. If they need to get a look at the eardrum to diagnose or if they need to remove that wax to help that person with their symptoms, that's really the only choice they've had apart from um, sending them to a specialist, which can often take you know a long time to get into. And the trend away from it is coming because it's not without its complications. So you have to know what you're doing. You've got to have the right temperature of water, the right pressure. It really um, is important that the person performing the procedure has the, the right skills and knows what they're doing. It's got about a 30% complication rate. Now that's not all perforated eardrums, but it can be trauma to the ear canal or you know an infection or incomplete removal of the wax so if the water goes in gets stuck behind the wax but the wax doesn't actually come out then the person's got water trapped behind the wax which can worsen their symptoms so yeah we're seeing a trend right. away from it not all not all mm. gps do it anymore some are some do it reluctantly um some don't do it at all uh, and some still do it but we, we are seeing right. a trend away from it away from that old man. Okay, so for the listener's point of view, I'm not anticipating you need to become experts in earwax removal during this conversation, but bear in mind, this, this is quite a complicated process. And the sort of thing that, you know, by Lisa embarking this, the reason I'm so looking forward to this conversation and have been, is because it's quite specialist. And a lot of you will have businesses which you say, well, my business is a bit unusual. There's no reason why you can't franchise it in just the same way as if it was a house cleaning, a lawn mowing, or, or indeed a hamburger shop. So the principle applies, it's just getting the fundamentals. We're gonna learn in our conversation here, really a little bit about how they've gone around doing that, Lisa and Scott. So can you tell me, expand a bit, I mentioned briefly about, about your why, and how you use it in the business, uh, Lisa? Yeah, yeah, so my why is, helping nurses to be as great as they can be. I just, I feel so passionate about my profession. Um, I think, you know, I've had a, a really lovely career and now I've been able to set this business up for myself and I just want other nurses to experience the same thing. It's just a satisfying and lovely thing. <laughs> nurses have so much to offer. They've got great clinical skills. They're smart. Um, they've got a really good knowledge base and they're good at forming relationships and they also have high levels of empathy and that's why I want to support the nurses specifically to move into this field. I, yeah, I feel quite passionately about that. And that comes through, it comes through both in meeting you personally and dealing with you and listening to you on the phone now. So people, yeah. I'm sure people can hear. And one yeah. of the key elements we look for when we're talking to prospective franchisors is what is it that drives them? You know, what makes them get out of bed in the morning? And I, I hope you can hear Lisa's. And this is a huge element of anyone's success. And without going off track too much, I, I'm going to lead straight into a, the CEO there, just Scott, Lisa's business and life partner. Can, can you give us, from your point of view, a bit of an overview of Lisa's journey to get the point of getting your first franchise partner up and running? And, and perhaps you can add in there 
um, because you know you've got a lot of experience yourself. Obviously, you could have got into business on your own. Why do you choose to use franchising to help grow the business? Okay, thanks, Brian. Look, I'll answer that last bit first, I think, because you led into it nicely. Our business is a highly specialised. The nurses who work in this are highly trained, highly skilled, and, and, and part of our value proposition is that we want to be the absolute leaders in quality in our industry. Now, that franchising, through the systemization of what we're doing, allows us to, I guess, have that element of control. The things are done the earworks way that Lisa likes to talk about. And we felt that whilst we needed to expand because the market is modest in Tasmania, we also were looking for a business model that didn't cheapen what Lisa had created. So that's why we, why we went down the franchising path. Also, secondly, we had to look at our client avatar. And in the context of, of your question, the client in this case is our franchisees. And whilst we can certainly have um, passive investors, and we're talking to some of those at the moment, ultimately, a lot of our franchisees will be registered nurses, or at least they'll be managing the franchise. Now, they're terrific at all those things that Lisa talked about, but they don't necessarily have the, the business skills. And what, so what franchising allows us to do is do all those business things for them to allow them to use their technical skills that they've learned, use their empathy, build the client relationships, and allows us to do the, the business things in the background. So it allows them to be, you know, one of our, our things that we like to tell our franchisees is, is that, you know, they're in business, but they're not by themselves. Right. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. Can, can no. I just add to that, Brian? Well, yeah. Can of I course. just add something there? Yeah. Um, there was a saying that I heard recently, um, nurses make great nurses, but not great business people, which is exactly what Scott's saying. And that's why, yeah, they've got that business support, but also the great clinical support. And that's the, the franchising model supports that process as well. So you've got that, the clinical support is just so important. Whilst there's all the upfront training and all the learning, it takes a while to develop your depth of vision, looking into the ear and to work safely around that. Uh, very important eardrum so having that ongoing you know they can call up and we work through that together and and that's really important to nurses to have that clinical support as well as the business support and i, I think just yeah. on the first part of your question brian lisa's journey without putting too much emphasis on on myself i think for any of the listeners who are small business people or have a small business idea and they want to go into franchising which we would encourage having that partner support so you're in it together is a real important element because you know there's a lot of work in it and and it's very satisfying i'm not playing it down but you know there are the ups and downs and everybody if you read any books on business and so on there that's the way it is and if you're in it together it makes such a difference if you're by yourself and you don't have a supportive partner in it it can be a lonely place mm. so I, i'd really recommend involving even if they're not involved with the business directly involve them in some decision making and know that you got that support there because you know through the ups and downs it's going to be really important to you yeah because scott you only very recent a matter of in recent weeks or so that uh, you resigned from your full-time position so uh, fr from that side of things lisa you you had the determination and and, and the uh, uh the energy and uh, the conviction to go and launch this business and of course yeah. the, the other point i think is interesting the business hasn't been running that long before you realised you just had to expand 
to address the demand for it. So, and I think the demand exceeded what you anticipated. So that's that's always good news, isn't it? So, yeah. how long were you running the business when you actually started looking at franchising it? Um, yeah, probably probably about twelve months in. Yeah. yeah, about a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This illustrates yeah. really. I think when you're onto a good thing, sometimes it might be lovely to do it for two or three years. But the reality is, the opportunities are there. You can scale, and of course, yeah. you know, in, in this day and age, people jump onto ideas very quickly. So you need to get your footprint mm. into the marketplace. Yeah, um, that's right. So looking beyond yeah. that, mm. Mm, sorry, you have something to add there. Oh no, just that, just that we're so excited about it, you know, and yeah, um, and there oh, is the market exciting. for it, and the franchising model is just the, the best way to go. It's been so interesting working with you and and systemizing our business. That's been a really um, interesting and and um, beneficial process just for our business in general. Even if we weren't to proceed to franchising, just actually systemizing the business, looking at everything right through at all our processes it's been great for yeah. our business and yeah. i think a lot of people out there who have started a small business like we did you can't actually get to being successful unless you love it and we certainly loved eworks eworks hobart if you like and the franchising model has uh, allowed us to i guess clone eworks which is what franchising is systemize it um, with our operations manual, the Earworks way that we talk about. So we haven't lost our love for it. And as it's growing, all it is is what we want Earworks to be and what our values are, which are professional, kind and generous. We're making sure that in our franchisee selection process, that's really an important part. We really tease that out with our franchisees to make sure that they're going to live our values too. So what it's allowed us to do is this precious pearl, I think Lisa often refers to it, is which we, which we love, we're not compromising that as we expand. And I think some of the negative comments about franchising that are out there in the media at the moment is just because people or, or businesses have got so massive and large, they've lost that personal touch. And I, I don't see that that's what franchising is about. You can still have a large business, but I'm talking about massive businesses where you can't have the, the contact with franchisees and so on, like Lisa and I, talked about their prospective franchisees and our and people that were signing up all the time and all of our love for our business comes through those conversations all the time and it's a really really excellent model to not compromise on values and what's important and and so on so i mean it's that's another reason why we because we hold the values so close to us mm. and we all of our decisions we put through that what well, we call a decision filter which is professional kind and generous and our franchisees now do the same. Yeah, and our staff as well. So yep. if you're ever stuck about where you're at or making a decision, you, you filter it through those that value system. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so, so Scott, just please excuse me for a moment, Lisa, I'm not ignoring you, but um, <laughs> seeing as Scott's the one with all the business background, I know that obviously you, you'd had a strong interest in franchising earlier. You, in your qualifications, I noted you've, um, you've got a, a, a diploma of franchising. So when you look at that, you've got a lot of business experience yourself, significant business experience. So why did you choose to use a consultant rather than just get on and do it yourself? Oh, look, I mean, I, I, I do have some experience and I do have the, the qualifications, but it's like anything, you know, you can, you can watch a YouTube video, how to hang a door, 
that if you're a, a do-it-yourself handyman, uh, but you try and hang that door and get it right. <laughs> the basics <laughs> you can know. Yeah, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you any money it'll stick on the ground or you won't be able to hold it up or whatever the case may be. One of our other values that isn't actually in a value statement, but something that we pride ourselves on is humility and listening to the right people. And there have been so many times that yourself and other people who you've recommended that we use and we have used have stopped us making a fundamental basic mistake because we didn't understand. And it doesn't mean that we don't understand the concepts between the two of us, you know, Lisa on the clinical side of me and the business side, we've, we've got all that. But franchising is a discipline and franchising um, has a lot of history and a very positive history. And if you're dealing with people who have lived through that history, they won't allow you to make the mistakes that all their people who went before us have made. Uh, that doesn't mean they haven't been successful, but I bet you that they, they wish they didn't graze their knees on a couple of things. So for us and with the system that you took us through, I don't want anybody listening to the podcast thinking that they don't have to do any work and the consultants have magic consultant dust that they sprinkle on your business and, and <laughs> uh, because it's a lot of work. You've got to do a lot of work yourself and nobody understands your business and, and the best consultant in the world will not know your, your business as well as you. However, if you put in the work and then you run it through a consultant, they will look at it and they'll be able to point out where there might be some deficiencies, other things you haven't thought of. Um, it'll save you a lot of time and a lot of pain in, in my view. So I always like to think that it's a very rare time when you're the smartest person in the room. You might have a lot of broad experience on a range of things, but there's always somebody who knows a topic particularly well. Now, in our case, uh, like Lisa knows um, the earwax removal business better than anybody I've ever heard speaker she's a, an absolute expert however when it comes to setting up a franchise system that's about uh, ex removal listening to a, a business consultant such as yourself or a communications consultant or a branding consultant these people can really seriously help you and save you a lot of time and effort so it's a matter of, of accepting that there are people out there who in very specific areas of discipline know a lot more than you and they're quite happy to share that with you. Yes, there's a, there's a cost involved, but that cost is far outweighed by the value that you're going to get. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, it's been a fairly quick journey. I mean, I think you came to a workshop in November and by the time you got started, it was Christmas. And then come March, you were out promoting advertising for franchisees. So in, in doing that in that short period of time, which I, I, I compliment you on, I think it's the best way to do it is hit the road running. What were some basic takeaways you've had about the franchise process that perhaps our listeners could share? And I'm talking here about people who are thinking about franchising or just using the tools to grow their business. Um, so they've got a business that looks like a franchise, if you like, and behaves like a franchise, but also franchisors who perhaps feel that maybe they should be reviewing what they do and how they do it, whether they're newly into the sector or whether they're long established. Perhaps you could give us a little bit of an airing of that. We didn't socialise much come <laughs> January through to March. <laughs> um, yeah, we got in. There is a lot of work, but but if you once you make the decision to to do something, you just got to go for it. And if you feel that there's a, a market that you want to tap into and so on, you just got to work hard and 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 get there. And if you uh, for us, I think it was the excitement factor about what we you know we really believed in Lisa's idea. It was working beautifully in Hobart, so therefore we, it was almost like 
yeah, Christmas for us as far as as we work through the process, we're getting closer and closer to taking that to market. So I think also the market will very quickly tell you about whether you've got a good idea or not or whether that needs tweaking and so on. So if you take too long in the process, the work that you did in the beginning, I think you're probably going to go back and review anyway because the market will, will have shifted. You know, things are moving so fast. It's one of our big learnings, you know, what people are looking for, how, uh, how you would set something up. Yeah, if you leave it too long, or, you know, if you did it over, say, say if you chose to do it over a 12-month period, I think definitely that work that you did in, in months one to three, you'd have to go back and revisit before you implemented because something would have changed. That's certainly true, yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I, I remember a conversation with you some time ago, because you'd done your franchise diploma, your eyes were opened to the reality that there was more to it. But for people that do think franchising is just really legal agreements and a bit of a business model in a few systems... What, what, what would your comment be about what there is beyond that and why they need to, 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 to look a bit broader at the picture? You know, in its basic form, what you said is right. But when you actually, if you actually love your business, and that's what it comes back to, like, like we do, you, you have to personalise it. And so every element of, say, take a franchise agreement that we work through with Legal Vision and yourself and a disclosure document. There are basic ones you can find anywhere but i can tell you that ours are full of the earworks way they're full of earworks language they're full of earworks values they're full of things that are important to us in there and you can't you, know, you, you can't without effort from both sides and using experts when it comes to the crunch and when you actually you might even be lucky enough to sell uh, a franchise with a with a pro forma style uh, agreement but it'll bring you unstuck because it won't protect what's near and dear to you it won't protect you with what and it won't allow you to to have your business replicated across in, in our case across australia mm-hmm. with all the things that are important and all of a sudden you've lost control of what it started with and what you're selling isn't what you're or what you're you know you're getting partners into isn't the same as what you started with so using those experts that they'll always are they're asking you all the time about what's your view on this this is the the concept this is what we're trying to you know uh, make sure that the the pothole that we don't want you to fall into but what's your view what are you trying to get and they'll be able to come up with a way that what you want is incorporated either into a legal document or into advertising or um, into a conversion tunnel for your prospective franchisees Mm, yeah and um yeah, just to add to that, I think advice for franchisors is the, that there are no shortcuts. <laughs> we have worked very hard and even though we've had, you know, so much help and all the consultants like putting together the franchise agreement and the disclosure document to, to make the best use of our time, Scott would sort of look through it first and then he'd highlight things to me and I'd look through that. But at the end of the day, we had to read through every single line of a very extensive document because you've got to make sure that everything's right. But yeah, so there's a lot of hard work, but it's worth it. You know, we wouldn't have it any other way. We love putting that time in because we feel passionate about our business. And yeah, it's all for the benefit of Earworks and for the franchisees. Yeah, and I think the consultants that we've used through your system, all of them have been interested in what we're trying to get out of it. So they didn't dictate to us anything. They helped us, but it was sort of back onto us. Um, to say exactly what we wanted and then they'll help us get there um, so you've got to be very clear about what you want or else the, or else the use of the consultants won't be as, as valuable so so your legal agreements were done 
really very much at the back end of the of the process. You'd you'd been working through your your franchise model for probably close on three months when you went to the league to, to get the legals done. In retrospect, could, could you have gone in at the beginning and got the legals done, or what, what's your thoughts about getting the constituents there to better get those documents done properly in in the the earworks way, as you describe it? Yeah, well, I don't personally know. No way. You've got to have a marketing plan. You've got to have a vision, a mission. Um, you've got to have a budget. You've got to work out how you want your franchise to work, how or what's going to be important to you in the, you know, what, what constitutes good behaviour uh, from your franchisees, what constitutes um, success, what constitutes failure. You have to work all these things out or else the, you can have a pro forma legal document but it won't represent all the things when you need it to work it won't it won't have done that so it's a very systematic process setting up a franchise in it it, so you know it shouldn't be a surprise that franchising or setting up a franchise is systematic because that's what franchising is about but I, i think there's a a very clear order and that was another thing that was helpful with the franchise simply system for us it actually gave us discipline about what to do next and it was funny when you actually did the next document or the next plan and actually built on the one before. You'd be like, oh, that's how that all fits together. Yeah. We couldn't have done this first. Yeah. No, that's right. And so, yeah, your, your legal documents really is your, your last thing, but there's still a lot of work in it even when you get to that. But that's the part of the process. But you certainly, you won't have all the answers. The franchise agreement itself and um, to a lesser extent the disclosure document is the culmination of all your other work that puts it into legal speak to protect you and your franchisees. Right, well defined. So I suppose then we go to launching in the marketplace and it's only then that you really find out. You can do all the research in the world, of course, you get all your demographics and talk to lots of people, but it's only when I suppose you get to the pointy end when people are faced with a decision that you start to really get evaluation, I suppose, of the concept you've got and so on. So you've had an interesting journey in this two to three months since you actually first aired the franchise as being available. Could you just share us a little bit of of that story and and how it's impacted and how it may change the future from your point of view of what ultimately you may have as as a business model? Look, from our point of view, one thing I think people need to realise, we didn't realise, and we've learnt now, is, you know, I think the way you put it to us, Brian, is right. It's almost the 80-20 rule by two. So 80% of the people who will inquire about your franchise aren't really interested. I don't know why they even bother, but they do. 20% of them will be interested to a point, and only 20% of that 20% will actually move forward into any meaningful discussions around it so you have to have and be prepared for which we weren't but we are now (laughs) um, be prepared for a lot of conversation i think you need to be prepared to really really stick by what's important to you and that franchisee selection process is really important because you you can't give away your precious business just to anybody and you need to have an ongoing relationship with them and uh, an example is we've just sold a franchise in the North Tasmania to a registered nurse up there. And she is just fantastic. And every conversation we have with her, she's so enthusiastic. She answers our questions. She's on to us, keeps us on our toes as well. It's just a, a terrific relationship already. So many people won't call you back. You'll send them emails and they won't respond or you call them and they won't answer and not call back. So just be prepared for that. And then second thing I'd guess in the advice stage is to be flexible 
So one of my favourite quotes is one from Churchill where he says that you shouldn't hold one's principles up so high that you can't change them to suit the circumstance. In the business terms, that means, you know, whilst you have you start out with an idea, it will definitely need tweaking along the way to be successful because whilst you might believe in it, if the market doesn't, it doesn't matter. So you've just got to be open-minded to creating your product or the way you the way that you promote it or, the, or who you promote it to to ultimately get to your, your success because ultimately the only person that matters is the market and and you've got to know who you actually want on board in our case what their values are and, and so on and so forth and then try and get to those people the best you can and we've changed tack a number of times even since march we're much closer than we used to be um with regard to doing that and, and as we're getting better at that we're becoming more successful so but it, it's a, it's a hard road and and you know we thought we had such a, a wonderful thing that there'd be enough people to really step up and buy immediately and that hasn't necessarily been the case i think and the last thing i'd like to say i might throw to lisa then the last thing i'd, I'd like to say is also for people just to be aware if people are making a decision to buy a business that's a long-term decision and that will take some time so build into your process and your business plan that a period of time it takes a long time from when you have a first conversation with a franchisee to you convert them to a franchise purchase that is not a quick process even with the best franchisee in the world so just build that into your timing because mm-hmm. uh, there are big decisions for people to make and that's notwithstanding there are there are timing issues to do with the, the franchising code of conduct as well so yeah, just build that into your, I guess, your cash flowing and your, and your expert. For us, it was probably expectations about how long that process will take. Okay, thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure people will find that really, really helpful. So, Lisa, for our new franchisors out there, although it's just about embark, embarking on it, what can they expect emotionally to go through as they embark on this, this business journey? Because it is, as you say, there's, there's quite a lot involved and, and there's been some curled balls, I suppose, where things haven't always turned out the way you may have have anticipated or predicted. Yeah, and I think about, um, because I've spoken to a lot of nurses over the last three months, and the the thing that I'm finding is, and just going back to what Scott was saying too, we've had to provide a lot of education along the way, as well as just talking about the franchise and that kind of thing, because nurses don't necessarily know much about business. And, um, And yeah, so that's just an interesting part for us that we've sort of been talking about our business, but also educating them along the way so that that isn't and that probably applies process. across a range of sectors not just ours yeah mm. yeah no that's true and i feel like some of the nurses that i talk to are a bit like i was when i was originally thinking about starting year work so there's that whole thing around can this work is this even a thing wow it sounds exciting but i'm a little bit scared and yeah, and we've been a bit on that journey together, Brian. I know you've helped me through a few bits with the with the franchising process, where I've felt like at times myself I've gone back to the beginning, where where you're treading a new path, and and that's just to be expected. I try to share as much with the nurses about what it is that it's like to be in this role, and what my day is like, and and the satisfaction that I get from. You know, I've done all this study and I've qualified in it and I've, I've got all this experience now. Um, and that's enabled me to, you know, develop this lovely client base. So I spend my day really enjoying people's company, helping them alleviate symptoms for them. And it's just a, a lovely 
lovely role that I have now. So that also gives them some confidence, doesn't it, about yeah. if they're going to open up a business. I'm trying to be as broad as I can for the, the show, I guess. But yeah. if they understand they're going to have someone to call when if things don't, you know, if they've got a question mm -hmm. or a query that they've got confidence in that is there to help them, we'll give them the confidence to actually do it. And I think that personal touch is really important yeah. to first-time business owners. Exactly. Knowing that they've got that support, yeah. they're not just out there on their own suddenly having to make big decisions, you know. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm not sure what to do here. And that's where, where we're there for them. So I guess it's a bit of a journey and just knowing that we're there to support them every step of the way. They can ring us anytime, all that kind of thing. And also nurses often, there's something else from, from talking to a lot of the nurses is that they rate themselves down a little bit on, on things like, you know, being able to market the business or, you know, that, that side of things are like, oh, I'm not so good at that. Um, and that's where also where we say, well, that's okay because what's important to us are our values and what the, the, the qualities that we're looking for in you, the, the high empathy and, um, you know, being good at building relationships and that kind of thing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great at marketing, which is what we do for them. So, yeah, yeah, lots of things for them to think about, but, yeah. Okay, no, no, thank you. So, um, sorry, did you have something to add there, Scott? Or was that... Oh, no. Uh, no, you, no, you talked, okay. about the, you talked about the emotional side, Brian, and, and it, has, mm. it, does, it can be, and people should prepare themselves, you will get people who won't be particularly nice to you on the phone or via uh, any communication and so on, and just know that when you put your precious business out to market, there, there will be some ups and downs, some, not everybody will love it the way you are or, or won't believe in it, but just know that there's mm. enough people out there. And when you find the right people, you will know. You will know that they're the person yeah. you want to do it's business with. It's just so with. easy. That yeah, it will become right easy. Person. The people yeah. who right from the beginning is difficult, chances are you don't want them as your franchisee. And there's a, a, I think you might actually have a, a, a podcast, which I listen to, which is really good, around franchisee selection processes and the importance of it. And it is just so mm -hmm. true. Yeah, you want to be dealing with yeah. people who you can work with. Yes, it's the Dorothy Doomsayers. Uh, unfortunately, they're alive and well. They tend to dominate, unfortunately. I think it's a, it's a reality. Um, yeah. But also, at least to other, uh, another thing just to mention quickly to make people aware of that uh, uh, you, you're not orphans from the point of view of uh, an experience or two you had where people were really wrapped in the whole process. They were really committed only to be discouraged by their advisors or their family who, who joined, who were in the ranks of those Dorothy Doomsayers and just saying, you know, you shouldn't go into business or you shouldn't franchise. Perhaps you just added, how, how do you address that these days? Do you, do you sort of pre-prepare people for, for that sort of advice? Uh, yeah, how well, do you handle that? Oh. Yeah, I think you've been a bit modest there, mate, to be honest, because you helped us with that buyer's remorse part of our, our process, so our conversion tunnel. So just explaining to people early on in the process what will likely happen as you go through and some of the things that they will have put to them. And the main thing is keeping those, telling them to keep the communication channels open with us because we can explain, you know, there are always risks in business. We all know that. Everybody listening to the show would know that. But there's also mitigations to those risks. And if you have a belief in your business like we do, you know, there's going to be a mitigation for whatever gets raised. But you, you are right. It is a very standard thing for people who are, are being uh, looking for a big change and, and are taking that brave step there's a number of people who are not willing to make that 
and, and we'll try and make sure that other person doesn't do it just in case they're successful, I think. And that is a definite part of the process. And if you get the right advice, there are ways that you can deal with that up front that can, you will never stop it, but you can minimize the impact of that. And I guess, you know, that some of the negative feedback you get at times as you're going through and that buyer's remorse thing uh, for the listeners or the, the prospective franchisors, if you get it, you're not by yourself. This is just what it's like. It's a, you're dealing with a cross section of the community and it's nothing to do with you. Uh, but what you got, what you can do is prepare yourself the best for it so that um, it doesn't impact on you, both your business, but also emotionally. Yeah, yeah it's a tough call. When you think, particularly in the early days, you think you've got a, a great new franchise partner, you recruited someone that you think fits the profile and then only to have the rug pulled from under their feet to leave you with egg on your face without wanting to use too many <laughs> too many anecdotes and so forth. But look, guys, I, I could we could chat for ages. It is it's lovely. It's been delightful. It really has talking with you, Lisa, and with you, Scott. Really indebted to you for giving up so much of your time. I appreciate that because you are really busy. I'm sure everyone will join me in saying it's it's been a privilege having the opportunity to get to know you and hearing your words of wisdom from both of you. So I believe, Scott, you did volunteer that if someone wanted to have a chat, you could make yourself available. Would you like to just outline that? Oh, sure. Well, if you just go through Brian, he's got all our contacts, or through Franchise Simply, I'm really happy. I guess one of our values is professional, kind, and generous. So we, we, wanted, we had a chat about this, and we thought, well, we could be generous with our time in this instance. If people are about to undertake their journey or they're partway through it and they're having some doubts and they just need somebody to talk to who's been through the same thing, then we might have an idea or two that can help them, but more likely just to be that peer-to-peer -peer support, we're happy to do it because you will go through some difficult times and it's sometimes it's just nice to have somebody who understands to have a chat. So Lisa and I are really happy to, to do that and have a, a chat with some franchisors or prospective franchisors out there. We've already had a chat to a couple of people uh, who have been looking to embark on the franchise simply system and just explaining our our journey with that so they understand it a bit more and I guess we're we're happy to try and be leaders in this space in on a range of fronts because we believe in the system we believe in our business but we also would like to think that there are other people with great ideas that if we could help them make some good decisions and so on yeah we'd feel really good about that yeah yeah that's, that's magic, you know, and, and I think everyone listening, this is why when I first got involved in franchising, a couple of things stood out to me that, that I didn't expect. One was the camaraderie amongst franchisees, and one was the unselfish attitude that seems to embrace franchising wherever I go in the world. The happiness to share ideas and thoughts amongst franchisors, particularly through organisations like the FCA, the Franchise Council of Australia, going to their regular meetings. And the example there of Lisa and, and Scott in, um, in really being happy to support the sector. And that's something that I think everyone should be aware of and, 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 and use it to their advantage. So whenever there's a social get together or an FCA meeting, if you're able to get to one or their webinars they're running regularly, they really are very, very helpful. So in wrapping that up, thanks very much everybody. Uh, thanks for your time. I hope you found it valuable. Look forward to speaking to you all again. And in closing, I guess any final points you'd like to make there just to wrap up uh, either Lisa from you or from Scott? Um, no, no, you're fine. No, you're, no, you're, no, I think yeah, we've, 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 we've got it all. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, no, okay. Just, well, look, thanks again, Lisa and Scott. So this is Brian Keane from Franchise Simply.
signing off and looking forward to being with you when we interview our next Franchise Radio Show with that guest.